Welcome, 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 welcome to Wind It Back. My name's Easy E, easy feeling, easy going, easy as it goes. And I'm Joe, and I'm Joe. Yeah, I almost did the John Oliver intro where he's like, welcome, welcome, welcome. And then I was like, that's why you added the extra welcomes. Yeah, I had to add the extra welcomes <laughs> on that because I was like, I'm pretty sure that's trademarked, like the happy birthday song. So I better Probably add like is. seven more welcomes. And you know, HBO is not cool about stuff. No, they're not. So, no, they're not. Yeah. I don't know if the business daddy joke is trademarked as well. But yeah, that business daddy, he's not a good daddy. He'll come after you if you steal his crap. Angry. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want, I don't want to get crap thrown at me for stealing crap. You know what I mean? And I'm not even trying to steal crap. I mean, it's just like a thing to say. Welcome. But you know what? Whatever. All right. So let's get into this episode. Topic this week, Joe. You excited? I'm so excited, man. You know, I love me some horror movies. You know what's October? It's spoopy season, y'all. Yeah, spoopy season, which means horror is on the docket for the movie Q. So let's get at it. Yes. Horror all month, yeah. Yeah. All month. This week, though, so each week we're going to be doing a different topic, and we're going to focus at a different aspect of horror, like the best recent horror movies, some of the best horror movies ever, some really super-duper scary moments. We're still workshopping some topics, so keep an eye out on our feed for that. But we're going to start off this week with horror comedies. Gang, I'm so excited. I love me some horror comedies. Why do you like horror comedies, Joe? Because it's just it's nice that... Because, I mean, I, I'm genuinely a fan of the horror genre, but, like, that's the thing is that there's so many different types of horror that it's nice when you get a movie that can actually, like, that can deliver a scare, but can also deliver a laugh. Because so many horror movies have gone the way of, like, the gritty superhero movie, where it's like, this needs to be dark and traumatic the whole time. And it's, you know, life needs levity. Horror needs levity. Yeah, I love what you said about that, about horror needs hev- levity. I was going to say horror needs heavity. Horror needs heavity? Yeah. So we could actually call it heavity, like horror levity. Yeah. There you go. Coined a new term right now Gang. with one of the accidental stupid things that was going to come out of my mouth. That's how we do. That's how we do. That's how we roll here. And I really like what you said about the levity that it brings because a lot of times, like, if I'm watching a horror movie with you guys and it's super duper serious, I feel like we need to make jokes ourselves about the dark stuff that's going on. Just so that I don't like spiral into a deep dark depression. Well, that's just my natural like that's my been my body's natural defense mechanism my entire life, regardless of the situation. Uh, if it's either real life scared or movie scared, like my response is to make jokes. Yeah, and so uh, it doesn't even matter do. if it's something scary for me. Like it could be something sad, and I have to find someone to make a joke out of it. It's ha- it's nice when the movie does that for you. It's nice when the world does that for you. Yeah, sometimes the world does like to play jokes on you, it kind of seems like, doesn't it? <laughs> I think we might be going a little bit too deep there. We are. I like going deep sometimes. We're not going deep. We're going to be skimming the surface on a whole bunch of cool, fun horror comedies this week. We're going to bust out our five favorite films. But before that, we're going to go into some other segments. We're going to start off with Once Upon This Week in Hollywood, a la the Quentin Tarantino 2019 film. So... Something that I've been seeing a lot today is the news in the run up to the Joker premiere. So, Joe, like, what are your basic thoughts like about this new Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie? Well, I mean, 
Yeah, I think there's definitely reason to be cautious about going to see this movie in theaters. Like, I mean, I know that's not what the studio wants to hear, obviously, but let's be real. This is a movie about a loner who acts out violently. Is it really that off base to be concerned that the audience of this movie might do the same thing? And I know a lot of people are thinking like, well, you're just pulling up bad memories of the Colorado shooting at the Dark Knight Rises premiere, which, yes, that was a tragedy. Um, And a lot of people are saying, well, that didn't happen with Suicide Squad. And it's like, well, Suicide Squad was a different kind of movie than what this Joker movie is advertising itself to be. Yeah, that Joker had a grill. This Joker movie that's coming out is basically advertising itself as a instable guy who gets put upon by the world and finally snaps and decides to take revenge on it. That is a very troubling message to send in these current times. Yeah, it's very troubling. And not only that, like if you want to talk about some parallels in recent movies, there was that movie, I think it was called the 9th of July that came out on Netflix. That was about the Norwegian uh, mass murderer. Right. The Andrews Brevik. Yeah, Andrews Brevik. And this is actually a, a film in the very similar vein in that it's someone, like you said, that is getting mad at society and decides to lash out at it. And it's just weird to me that this is some kind of pop culture event somehow. And it's also uh, troubling me how the Joker, yeah, like it's it's a great character and he's scary as heck. I mean, he, he is a mass murderer and that is very scary for a whole lot of real life and uh, thematic reasons as well. But this kind of story is very, uh, it, it's hard to to present. And I don't think it's wrong for them to present it because, you know, they're artists and part of art has always been, uh, tragedy since the very beginning. I mean, like we just talked about, like with horror comedies, comedy is just like a tragedy, but with more jokes mm-hmm. in it. So I, I think it's okay to present the story. It's just uh, the time that it's coming out and just the things that have already happened with this character, that there's this weird cult that's kind of sprung up around him in the last 15 years as a, as an antihero when really he should be, unless he's wearing a gorilla and like has weird face tats uh someone who in other words unless he's jared leto unless he's jared leto uh in which case he deserves <laughs> ridicule and vitriol yeah so i i think it's this whole cult that's kind of grown up around the character is, is something that is troubling and it is a little scary i mean I, I went and actually saw the dark knight rises midnight premiere with my little brother and same actually it was not with my little brother it was with my friends but yes yeah and it was just weird walking out of that because like my mom actually uh like called me while I was at the movie theater mm-hmm. or like right after, I can't remember exactly, but she called me and she was worried that we were okay because of what had happened in Colorado. I, my mom had a similar reaction. Um, we were both about 18 years old when this happened, when the dark Knight rises shooting happened. Um, I remember the next morning, my mom woke me up as she was getting ready to go to work and told me about the shooting and she was like kind of shaking about it. Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, yes, I think you're right. The, I don't, I'm not blaming the studio for making this movie. I mean, I think you should make the movie that you want to make. But as far as being an audience member, just be cautious. Yeah, for real. This is a movie that I fully intend on seeing at home. Yeah, at home where some, like, there's a lot more control over your environment. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. Unfortunately, this is one that I'm going to be waiting for that home release before I'm watching it. Yeah. And it has been debunked. I just want to add a caveat to that. I don't want to feed into the myth that he said he was the Joker, the Colorado guy. Mm-hmm. He, he never said that. But it's just. No, he never said that, but I think it's safe to assume that there might have been some motivation there. Yeah. And we just. It's just. It's, it's something that it's kind of weird. Like we were just talking about how it's someone who's a mass murderer, but it's somehow this monoculture thing that people are interested in and will pay money to go see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a piece of fiction. He is. He's one of the most influential and famous piece of fi- pieces of fiction in the last 100 years. Think about all the different iterations the Joker character has gone through and all the different people that have tried to portray him. It's a murderer's row of actors. Mm-hmm. So well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, like Joe says, I'm going to be waiting for that one at home, but I hope it, it's a good movie. I mean, it's Todd Phillips. It's the guy who brought you the hangover. He's now bringing you the Joker. All right. What we got next? All right. Next segment will be the watch of the week. So it's something that we've been watching this last week, Joe and I, that is something that you would be down to check out, probably. Uh, if, well, for me, if y'all like sex comedies with some heart and a whole lot of anatomy references, I recommend you guys Big Mouth. Season three comes out in a couple days. By the time you're hearing this, it'll probably already be out on Netflix. That show makes me laugh more than almost any show I've ever watched in my entire life. Joe, you've been binging it with me. You've just watching it the first time. What do you think about Big Mouth? Oh, good God. It is so inappropriate. So funny. The hormone monster is maybe the most offensive and hilarious character ever put to animation. And I genuinely mean that. It's, it's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. I love how they kind of know what they're going about. I mean, some people get mad talking about it. it's kind of like pornography with the kids. But I mean, it's also something that they could, that we all go through and have gone through. And to me... Well, there's no weirder time of your life than when you're like going through puberty. And also middle school is just the worst. Yeah. Middle school sucks. Middle school does suck. But you know what makes it really funny is watching some Big Mouth. Because that is the funniest freaking middle school. I'm going to be real honest. If you're in middle school, you should not be watching Big Mouth. Oh, no. Big Mouth is something you should be like. That's like, that's PG-20. Oh, yeah, you should be well, well into you your 20s watching that. You college when you're watching Big Mouth, I feel like. Yeah, it's either that or it's like how, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I know it's one of those things, like, if I was 13 right now, I would definitely be sneaking around my parents to watch it. Definitely. Definitely. So, that's one of those things you're probably going to catch too young if you're listening to this under 18. All right, Joe, what recommendation do you have in this last week? Well, let's see. There's a couple things I've been watching, um, but the one i got to give it to is pretty much the only network TV show that I watch right now that is not animated, and that's Fox's masterpiece that is 911. Oh, yeah. Let's I get mean, in the 911 ad. 911 right is the best soap opera action comedy on TV right now. This Amazing. is the show that Chimney's girlfriend broke up with him. Chimney's a character on the show, breaks up with him, and then he's so depressed he can't realize that a pickup truck's stopped in front of him full of rebar. So he crashes into the back of this truck. Rebar goes right through his skull, survives, survives the rebar going through his skull, and then comes back to work. And you know what their coworkers present him with? <laughs> Tell him. <them>. Rebar cake. <laughs> Cake with a whole bunch of frosted art 
of him with a piece of rebar through his skull saying, welcome back, Chimney. And then, and then my favorite thing is that the show was like, I think the writers couldn't decide if they wanted to kill this character off or not. And then they actually decided that they liked him a lot. He's one of the best characters on the show. And so for a while, they would just put like this like little Sharpie, like red Sharpie mark on the center of his forehead that was supposed to be his scar from the rebar. And like, now it's not there anymore. By, season, by the start of season three, his scar is faded. Yeah, scars faded. He's like totally functional. Chronologically, no brain injury whatsoever. Nine one one. There's they're like there's not a show where I can be like, oh my goodness, like shocked, and then be like laughing at the ridiculousness of it. I mean, let's see. What did we? I think my favorite random injury on the show was uh, the guy who got shot by the tree. Oh yeah. And the Karma's a Wench episode. Yes. A man shoots a tree that his ex-wife had previously shot while trying to shoot him because he was that abusive. Uh, the bullet stayed lodged in the tree, and he decided that he was going to take care of removing this now-dead tree via Tannerite. Uh, for those of you who aren't rednecks, uh, like me, Tannerite is something that when you shoot it, it explodes. And so he shoots it, it explodes, explodes the tree, and the bullet from the previous shot, comes out of the tree, hits him in the chest, and kills him. It's amazing. And the show also gives you a flashback to when his ex-wife shot the tree. And we've never met these characters before. You get a flashback to characters you've never seen before. What other show offers you that? No other show on TV. No other show offers you the continuity errors slash brilliance of a flashback to a character you've never seen before. I love it. I love 911 with all my heart, and I would wholeheartedly recommend it to anybody that enjoys good television. I would and do recommend it to everybody who enjoys being a human. Yes. Everybody can like 911. Every existence of humanity. So, just so you guys know, Big Mouth is on Netflix, and 911 uh, is on Hulu. Yes, 911 is available, and uh, the whole series is on Hulu right now. Yep. So, Netflix and Hulu, come at us with your sweet ad money, please. Gimme, gimme. I'll say Hulu has live sports all day long, baby. I will do it. Just, I mean, honestly, just give me my account for free and we'll call it Square at this point. Yeah. All right. So next, we're going to be going in to uh, my list. We'll do my list first for the war comedies, and then we'll probably break for a commercial after that or some kind of thing that we're going to sandwich in between the two segments. Well, why don't we, instead of doing uh, your list and then my list, we'll each do our five. We'll each do our five? Yeah. We'll like, talk about when we come back. We'll do number five. Then I'll do my number five, then you'll do your number four, and I'll do my number four. You feel what I'm saying? Oh, I feel what you're saying. I feel what you're saying all over. All right. That's, yeah. All right. Okay. That sounds actually really good. So we'll just say it, and then we'll go through them after. My number five is Attack the Block. So for all you Star Wars heads out there, John Boyega's in this. It's his first, like, big movie. Yeah, it's his debut movie. He is a gangster who, and he and his gang, they rob a woman. Let's be real. Calling them gangsters is like general, generous. They're yeah, they're like they're not gangsters. They're like, petty. They're petty criminals. Yeah, in England. Yeah, they're petty criminals. They're not really gangsters. So, anyways, they they mug her. It's like one of their first muggings. They they're not very good at it. And after they are mugging her, an alien crashes, and then them and her have to fight the aliens. And Nick Frost is in it as a drug dealer. And the ca- the creature design. 
is so cool. Yes. I love it. It's, I don't know if I want to give it away to anybody who hasn't seen it, but I'm gonna. So basically what I want you to figure is jet black fur all over these creatures. They run on all fours, similar to like a gorilla or like a large ape. And they have these giant mouths with these razor sharp teeth that kind of glow like a bluish whitish color. And it is so cool watching this thing, which is this jet black fur and these bright glowing teeth. It works. Dude, it does work. And I like how the movie doesn't really shy away from the stakes either. It actually plays into them. I like it's, it's life or death at stake for, for these kids when they're fighting these things. It is. And, and it's yeah. the fact that that movie is a horror comedy in the true sense. There's actual stakes. At, there's actual horror. And there is genuine laughs. Yes. I love that movie. So I would wholeheartedly recommend that one as well. Uh, Joe, what's your number five? My number five is actually not created to be not created to be uh, a comedy, but if you watch it with the mindset that it is a comedy, it's so much better. And it's uh, M. Night Shyamalan's masterpiece, The Happening. Masterpiece? What? No. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, that took me a second to realize what you're doing there, but yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg delivers just the most mediocre performance that he is possibly capable of in this movie. Zoe Deschanel, no charisma whatsoever. John Leguizamo is basically bipolar. It's amazing. So amazing. Plus, you got people just like... And what's messed up is that this movie is supposed to be serious, but the way everything happens, it's like this had to be a comedy. It really does it like the word it really flipped for me because you told me that before we started watching it for the first time. And we started watching it. I was like, this isn't really that funny. And then the dude comes out and he's like, hey, y'all want some hot dogs? Oh, yeah. Hot dog man. Yeah, the hot dog man. Hot dog man is great. He's <laughs> like, they got a cool shape. Got that's, lots that's of protein. the best part is when he says they got a cool shape. Like, what? It's a tube. It is a tube. It's a cool shape. It's a meat tube. It's a cool shape. <laughs> yeah. The, the part for me that killed me in that movie, and I remember watching it for the first time, and this was a movie that when it came out, I was like 15 years old, so I wasn't old enough to go see it in the theaters, um, so I had to wait for it to come out, and then I was watching it on like Showtime or HBO or something like that one night, and the part when the dudes are at the construction site, and they're coming oh, yeah. off the top, and it's so, like, I don't know if it's poor CGI or if it's just literal crash test dummies getting flung off, but it is not even remotely real looking. And you've just got this like grizzled Philadelphia construction worker looking up, just like, oh dear God, look at that. And then they're just coming down and they're just lifeless, like. The apathy levels <laughs> off it's, the charts. It's it. I, <laughs> I lost it at that same man. And it was a comedy from there on. It's comedy from there on now. So check out The Happening if you haven't seen it. It lends itself to a lot of fun inside jokes with you and your pals. It's a good time. Jeff, what do you think about The Happening? That's pretty good. Yeah, all right. All right, so... <laughs> By the way, I'm Jeff, producer. That's a producer, Jeff. You can hear his voice in some of the other podcasts on Rumble Wild Media. That's right. Check him out if you haven't already. So my number four is Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is fantastic. I love this movie with all my heart. It's so good. I love it. So... Uh, Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyk are two rednecks who are going out because Alan Tudyk, I'm pretty sure he's Dale. 
Yeah. If I remember right. Yeah, he's Dale. Yeah, he's Dale. So he, he bought a summer house that's a fixer-upper. The thing was is that a bunch of weird, grisly murders happened around this lake about 30 years ago committed by some rednecks. So naturally, the college students who are on spring break are suspicious of them as they try to fix up the house. And misunderstandings escalate as the college students proceed to accidentally commit suicide. That is the best. It's just all these college students keep accidentally dying around Tucker and Dale. So they think that these college students are in like a suicide pact. And the other, the surviving college students think that Tucker and Dale are killing them. Oh my gosh. And there's a, if you've seen the movie Fargo and you've seen the wood chipper scene in Fargo, there's a similar scene to this movie with a different tone. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to think you'd laugh at something like that, but it's pretty funny. It is pretty damn funny. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a lot of remembering it. I love the board games that they find in the old house. Yes. And the foreshadowing. <laughs> the pole and the nail. Anyways, uh, check that out. Uh, no spoilers here, but it's a good time. So, Joe, what's your number four, dude? So, my number four is a bit of a throwback. It's one of the oldest... Uh, satirical horror films there is. Uh, it's based on the same concept of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. But if instead of birds, they was tomatoes. The movie's called Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It has its own theme song, which is fantastic. Jeff, would you, do you remember the you remember song, Jeff? <laughs> no, but I remember this movie. <laughs> Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That's the theme song. It's just that over and over again. And that's the sound that tomatoes make. The tomatoes will waddle towards you and make that noise. And like, there's just these scenes of like people at grocery stores laid on the ground while stop motion tomatoes like scurry over them. <laughs> And then there's really big tomatoes. Like I, I actually looked at a little bit of the production of this movie. What they did is they made these giant plaster tomatoes and mounted them on either golf carts or like full-sized cars so they could drive them around and chase people with these tomatoes. I love that so much. And I just want to say that as someone who has acid reflux, tomatoes really do kill me. Tomatoes can be tomatoes can be dangerous, man. Tomatoes destroy my insights. And as I'm as they go down, they're all going mmm, 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 and then I'm, that's it. I'm toast. What's up, I'll, Jeff? I'll say a quick thing. This is honestly one of the funniest movies. Like, it's so bad. It's hilarious. Don't get me wrong. Like, the first hour is, like, something laughable. After that's pretty pretty rough. But just the whole movie itself is a riot. You enjoy it very much. It's a movie that you can, you can throw on and just giggle at it. Like, I mean, this is a late-night movie. Yeah, it's this a hangout maybe, movie. This is maybe a late-night slash adult beverage movie, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I can get some Mountain Dew Code Red. Sure. To sit down. Is that what you think an adult beverage is? No, that's my lead into my, oh, okay. my three. Well, here, before you do your third, let's go ahead and take our break. All right. All right, welcome back to Wind It Back. So we're going to keep going with our list of horror comedies. My number three, as I led into with the Code Red, is... Zombieland <laughs> slash Shaun of the Dead. I'm going to put them on the same tier. I'm going to cheat a little bit so we can talk about both movies, but I freaking love Zombieland. It's one of my favorite movies. Okay, that is cheating to put two on there, but I'll give you that. Uh, ooh, out of those two movies, it's tough for me to say which one I like more, honestly. Um, let's go ahead and talk Zombieland first. 
All right. So one of the funniest things that I've ever witnessed in my life was Jesse Eisenberg trying to hit on this girl who just gotten bit by a zombie in his house. Yes. And he offers her the, the code red to calm her nerves <laughs> for being bit by a homeless dude. That's something that has made me laugh ever since I watched this movie and I was 15 years old. <laughs> and then her him waking up to her being a zombie and having to murder her with the toilet with topper. The toilet cover, yeah. Yeah. It was, it's freaking funny. And Woody Harrelson as a sign tosser, also hilarious. Yes. <laughs> and, Woody Harrelson, just in general, man. Woody stays as one of my favorite actors. Just always. Woody Harrelson is watchable and funny and charismatic in everything he does. I mean, just him. There's the one part after uh, the girls steal his Escalade, and he's like on top of the minivan, like hitting it with like the baseball bat. He's just yelling, I want my candy bag. <laughs> that's like one of my favorite scenes. And that's something that every time, every time I see an Escalade, that's like a synapse in my brain. But if I see an Escalade, it's like, I think of that scene. I want my candy bag. I want my candy and bag. I want Woody Harrelson back on my screen as Tallahassee. I'm excited for the sequel. Uh, also, the ending sequence of Zombieland is pretty dang cool. When Woody Harrelson has the Desert Eagles and all the guns strapped to his vest. Yes. Dude, it's dope. Just shoot his way out of that uh, like phone booth type deal. It's like it's like a carnival booth. Yeah, a concession kind. stand. Yeah, just him shooting his way out. That's pretty tight. It's awesome. So uh, now if we're going to advance, talk to Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is one of the most influential films probably the past like 15 years. Probably when it, when it comes to the genre of horror. Okay. Yeah, and here's why I'd say that. It's because it, it helped launch Edgar Wright's career as a filmmaker. Okay, that's fair enough, yeah. Yeah, and Edgar Wright's given us a whole bunch of different genre films like across a whole bunch of different ways. It made, it made Simon Pegg a star in Hollywood. It did. And he's been in a whole bunch of different movies. a really funny dude. And uh, it's a really well-written show. I love all the foreshadowing that's in it. And uh, the bar sequence at the end is genuinely terrifying. It is, actually. Well, I mean... When his mom reveals that she's been bit. Oh, like, yeah. That's a genuine, like, that movie isn't just horror comedy. It's also horror comedy. Then it's got that scene. It's like, genuinely makes you sad. Yeah. So, yeah, that one's a, that's a fantastic one. And um, I'm happy you brought up Edgar Wright because that transitions into my number three, which is The World's End. Tell me about it. So it's one of his more, I'd say, lesser known movies. Um, what this one is basically... Again, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, they're both in it, of course. They're so funny. They are. And uh, so what this movie is, basically a group of high school friends getting back together in their hometown and trying to complete this pub crawl that they attempted the last time they were all together back when they were uh, still young and, like, you know, right around the time they graduated high school. Or what is it called in England? Like, finishing school? Secondary school? Something I think it's called secondary school. Yeah. But I could be wrong. All you British heads get at us. Yeah. But uh, they're going through this pub crawl. It's the first time they've been back in their hometown for a long time. And they kind of realize that everything's just a little bit off. And as the movie progresses, it basically just turns into like an invasion of the body snatchers type situation. And it's it's funny, man. I love it. No, I'm excited. I should watch this one this month with you. At some point. There is a fight scene in a bar bathroom that will have you 
sign splitting. I mean, it is hilarious. <laughs> right. I love bathroom fights. I love Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this is better. Oh, dang. All right. Okay. I'm in. I'm <laughs> in. I'm all the way in. So now uh, you and I both have the same number two and the same number one. So we'll just Excellent. talk about both these movies. Uh, number two, Scream. Yes. And we talked about influential movies. Maybe not launching so many stars because I don't know how much Nevi Campbell's been in. She was a 90s icon that hasn't been on a whole lot recently. Right. But this movie brought back slasher movies. It did. It brought back slasher movies and it also teased slasher movies. Because like that's the thing about Scream is that it's it's a satire, but it's kind of a light satire, you know? Because it's still honestly fairly gruesome. I mean, and it's hard to kind of wrap your head around it. One of my favorite things about the movie is just the way it was made. This movie has Drew Barrymore at when she was at like the very peak of her initial fame and <laughs> kills her off in like five minutes. And it's awesome. Yeah. It's gory, but it's awesome. Oh, yeah. How she dies is incredibly gory. And that is genuinely shocking. To me, as someone like grew up and watching it, there's her. Her Drew Barrymore wasn't in it for very long. I was like, oh, all right, maybe she'll be like in it now. I didn't know that she like died, died. So I watched the movie, and that was like one of the things that really freaking traumatized me growing up. So this is one of the first scary movies I ever saw. Mm-hmm. One of the first slasher movies, and now she dies. Genuinely horrifying. When the boyfriend is revealed to be on the back porch. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, that's a that's a sense of dread. Yeah, it's really good at setting the tone. When it comes to the horror aspect, but also the comedy, it's also really freaking funny. Like uh, Matthew um, Lillard. Matthew Lillard gives the performance of his life oh, in this movie. Dude, I'm dying here, man. <laughs> My dad's gonna be so bad at me. That's he really is perfect in that role. And also, uh, David Arquette as Officer Dewey. Yeah, so awesome. He's a perfect bumbling person. He really is just this goofy, dumb like, 23-year-old sheriff's deputy that still lives at his mom's house. And way over his head, Dewey. Just, oh, man. Every time he's on the screen, it makes me laugh at that movie. He's a bumbler. Also, just because it's a scary movie, I always think of his counterpart in Scary Movie. Oh, Officer Doofy? Yeah, Officer <laughs> Doofy. <laughs> in the vacuum. Uh, um, anyways, uh, yeah, this movie's really good. If any of you haven't seen it yet, for whatever reason, I'd definitely check it out. It is Netflix. It is Netflix, and Scream is top. Cream of the crop, like Randy Savage would say. Definitely. Oh, yeah. It rises to the top, baby. Yes, it do. All right. So, with that being said, let's move on to our number one pick, Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods is so good. Cabin in the Woods is great. Uh, Josh Whedon uh, wrote, well, I think co-wrote the screenplay for it. It's got just this... The whole, the way it kind of works in that every, uh, every horror movie can be in the same universe as Cabin in the Woods. And I love that. Yeah, I love how, uh, I want to say it, it's, it's just such a good send up to the horror genre as a whole. And it, it's just really smart how it sets you in this world because it sets you in like, there, it's like an office, like a workplace comedy in one part of the movie and then it's a slasher like traditional horror movie in the other part of it and you're just kind of like well how are these things interrelated how are they intersect 
how are they going to intersect? And then it just does in the most spectacular, smart way. It works fantastically. And I don't want to give too much of it away because I really do want people that hear this to go out and watch this movie because it is genuinely fantastic. Um, some of the deaths in the movie just come so out of nowhere that it is generally like gasp moments. Like there's one in particular, the first time I saw the movie just completely shocked me, but also had me laughing very hard. Um, I believe you know what I'm talking about. Uh, And then there's a scene towards the end of the movie where so much happens at once that you're going to actually need to like pause and wait for it, wind it back and then rewatch it a couple times just because you're going to miss everything that happens at once. Yeah. I agree. So if any of you liked uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, it was, it's Drew Goddard is his name. Him and Josh Whedon co-wrote the script and Drew Goddard directed the Cabin in the Woods as well. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really fantastic film and I would highly recommend it. I definitely do. All right. So we're going to wrap, wind it back up with our last segment, Required Viewing. Yes. So this is a segment where basically me and Easy here, we come up with uh, either a movie, a TV show, or it might even in some cases be a song or an album or something we suggest that you listen to before our next episode. And given the theme of today's, we decided that we would go with... Maximum Overdrive! A movie that is directed by Stephen King. But, wait for it, Stephen King, when he directed this movie, was so high on cocaine that he no longer remembers that he directed this movie. No, it was just a cocaine haze. This movie is just, this movie is just cocaine. Cocaine directed this movie. Jeff, you watched the movie with me. What you think of it? That's pretty darn funny. It's like you can't even explain the movie. It's very like yes, you can explain. Oh, the it, movie but doesn't even try to explain. The no, movie. that's what's so great about it is that it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't, and it's beautiful in that sense. And the ending. The special effects that are one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. And there's one scene specifically, which is, I won't give it away all, but there's practically a gunfight in a gas station where people get killed. Oh, it's, yes. It's by far my favorite scene in yes. Maximum Overdrive. Um, it's not even close. It is it is arguably one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in any... It's You can, you can call it a bad movie. Because it's so bad. You can call it it's a bad great. movie because it's a bad movie. It's, it's such a bad movie, it's great. So it's, it's really something. And one of my favorite things about the movie, and it's not necessarily going to be a uh, spoiler to give this away, the, the overall cause of the movie is either a comet or a UFO. And we don't, the movie never explains which one it is. No, I appreciate ambiguity, and I appreciate Stephen King putting in the work necessary to make such a glorious piece of trash. Can yeah, I, putting in the work. Put in the work, like yeah, yeah like, put it up his nose where he put the work. That's what he did. So that's where he put the like money. How much the producer did. You know what he did? He put the Green Goblin on the front of a semi truck, and then told that semi truck to go ham on the residents of whatever yeah, North Carolina the town. There's a really good use of a splitting bridge, one of those bridges that comes up in the middle to let boats pass. Uh, it's a really, really fun use of that. So if you like bridges and you like people on bridges, and you like bridges splitting apart, I would recommend it. Oh, and one of the best things about this movie we haven't mentioned yet, 
an all ACDC soundtrack. That's right. That is true. And there's a Bible salesman. Yes, there is. An old-timey country Bible salesman. A very misogynistic Bible <laughs> salesman. Uh, all right. You got anything else you want to add in this episode, E? Uh, no, just for those that are ready to rock, we salute you. <laughs> How about you, Producer Jeff? What you got to say? Nothing much. It's been good to be good at it. These are fun movies. Go, go watch them and stuff. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.